how would you describe the word bold? Or when you hear the word bold, what do you think of? Or who do you think of? Uh, The dictionary definition of the word bold is this, showing an ability to take risks, confident and courageous. But bold doesn't have to be boneheaded, right? We understand the difference. Uh, Courageous, being courageous doesn't have to be careless. Uh, You can be confident without being cocky. It took me all of about five seconds on YouTube to find some hilarious videos of people who probably thought they were being bold, probably thought they were being courageous, but in the end, they were just creating embarrassing moments for themselves. Yes, we are going to watch a few of them here in a second, uh, but before I do that, I want to introduce myself to anybody who might be new today. Uh, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here, and and don't let the, the pastor title confuse you. I still like every other human being, will laugh at somebody who makes a fool of themselves, which we're going to do here in, in a second. If you're joining us on video, thanks for being here. And for those of you online only, I know that for many of you, you are not able or ready to, to come back yet in person. I just wanted to let you know you're a part of the Element Church family still. And uh, when you're able to come back and allowed to, uh, we want to invite you back in person. There is nothing like gathering together with God's people in a room like this to worship God through singing, to hear from his word, and we want to have you back here with us whenever you are ready and able to do that. Well, the first video I have for you, this guy probably thought uh, he was going to show the young'uns a thing or two about how to jump a bike. Uh, Things didn't go so well. Go ahead and check out this first one. is just too funny. The guy recording it was laughing. It probably his friend, which if you're a good friend, you laugh when your friend does that as well. Uh, this next guy uh, shows us that just because you're playing a superhero at a kid's birthday party does not mean you have superpowers. Check out Spider-Man here. Spider-Man! Does Spider-Man do backflips? He hopped up real quick, man. Does Spider-Man do backflips? No, he just falls on his butt. Um, These last two videos are evidence that kids' toys should only be used for kids and lawnmowers should only be used for lawn mowing. Go ahead and check out these last ones. I was like yelling for help, man. Don't raise your hand, but how many guys just got a brand new idea to try something out till over Labor Day weekend? There's going to be some uh, medical bills coming up for some people. We, we laugh at videos like that. But one of the reasons I, I, I show that extreme example is I think that's how we often view a bold faith. That a bold faith is just throwing caution to the wind and believing God for the impossible or attempting the impossible. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for believing God for the impossible, even attempting the impossible in God's name. In fact, in this sermon series, we're looking at stories that are just like that. These people who attempt the impossible for God, and if God in his mighty power does not intervene on their behalf, they would be literally impossible feats to 
accomplish. And, and I know that, that not everyone who is with us in the room or watching us online, not, not everyone uh, believes in God, has put their faith in Jesus. And so when I talk about a, a bold faith, you might think, well, this is not going to be relevant to me. And first of all, if you are here and you don't believe, thank you for being here. I can't tell you how much it means to me as a pastor that you would choose to, to be here. And I want you to know, I hope you know, we're going to do our best to love you and honor you uh, regardless of what you believe. Second of all, I think today's a perfect Sunday for you to be here because I hope you'll see a picture of the kind of faith that God wants us to have uh, as if, if we choose to believe in him, a bold faith. That it's not just believing God for the impossible or attempting the impossible. In fact, here's our big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. A bold faith is not believing you can do anything. It's believing you can do anything God asks of you. And there's a difference. A bold faith is not just throwing caution to the wind and believing I can do anything. It's believing I can do anything that God asks me to do. So it's not being reckless with our faith. It's being in relationship with God and then doing whatever God asks me to do. And please, please know this, that God will never ask us to attempt what his power is not able to accomplish. He will never ask us to suffer what his strength will not carry us through. He will never allow us to experience what his presence will not enable us to endure. I'm already preaching. I'm not even to the preaching part of the sermon yet. So a bold faith is not just believing I can do anything. It's believing I can do anything that God asks me to do, to face whatever he wants me to face, to endure whatever he wants me to endure. Now, last week, we saw where a bold faith rises from as we walk through the story, my favorite story in the Bible, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, how God saved them after being thrown into the fiery furnace. If you, if you missed last week's message or any of our sermons and you want to get caught up, I would encourage you to do that. I think it's good to kind of stay up to speed on, on where we're at. If you call Element Church your home especially, uh, you can watch or listen to uh, all of our sermons on our website, elementchurch.life, or on our YouTube page as well or uh, on uh, the podcast, wherever you listen to, to podcasts. Today we're continuing this look at a bold faith, that a bold faith does not believe I can do anything. It's believing I can do anything God asks of me. So here's the big question I think we have to answer today. What kind of bold faith is God asking of us? What kind of bold faith is God asking of us? Main scripture is Daniel 6 verses 1 through 28. It's a story of Daniel in the lion's den. A little background, if you just if you're unfamiliar of where we find ourselves here in the book of Daniel. Uh, remember, the city of God, Jerusalem, had been raided and destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon. The king then took away uh, dozens, thousands of, of people, Hebrew people, Jewish people, God's people, took them away as captives to Babylon. So now they are exiles in a foreign land. In week two of the series, we we looked at how Daniel lived out a bold faith as a teenager, being fully devoted to the ways of God as expressed in the word of God. And now here in Daniel 6, Daniel was a long way from being a teenager. He wouldn't qualify for the young adult group anymore. Uh, he was a long way from that. Daniel is now in his 80s, nearing the end of his life, 
having lived and served in Babylon for decades now of his life. And just like I said earlier on in the series, uh, that, that you're never too young for God to have a plan or a purpose for you. The reverse is also true. You're never too old for God to have a purpose and a plan for your life. In fact, Daniel in his 80s, Daniel shows us that if you're still breathing, God is still birthing a purpose in you. That if you're not dead, God's not done. Can I get a witness from some old folks in the room today? If you're not dead, God's not done with you yet. So let's jump into the scripture today. All of it will be on the screens. If you didn't have a way to follow along with your own Bible, you can download the free Bible app, version. Um, if you're here in person and want a Bible, we'll give you one for free. Just ask for one out at guest services. We'll give you a Bible free of charge. Daniel 6, starting in verse 1, says this. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. So I wanted to stop there and address something. It's not, this is not the, like the focus of the sermon, but I didn't want to pass this up. Darius was at least the, the, the third king that Daniel served under. We believe he served under four consecutive kings. I don't want us to miss this. We, we've seen it again and again and again in the series. That Daniel was so respected, so trusted, so admired, so capable in his giftings that even though he didn't follow or bow down to the ways of the culture around him, even though he was fully devoted and allegiant to God as his God, he was still put in charge of the entire empire, second in command only to the king, which tells me this again that it's possible to live out a bold faith for God and still be respected by people who don't believe. It's possible. It's just in the way we live out our bold faith. Verse 4. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Let that sink in. They were looking for something to criticize and they could find nothing. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Whoa. What if that was said about every Christian in the workforce and marketplace? Would that cause an impact that's noticeable? If every Christian was described as faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy? So, it says, they concluded, I love this, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. A bold faith is not believing you can do anything. It's believing you can do anything God asks of you. There's lots of things we could talk about when it comes to a bold faith, but I'm a preacher that sticks to the text and tries to find two or three things to look at. So the first thing I see is this, a faith worth accusing. What kind of bold faith is God asking of us? A faith that's worth accusing. 
This is so challenging. But I love this. I love it. These jealous administrators wanted to find something to accuse Daniel of, but they could find nothing in his life to accuse. Like for real, how challenging is that? The only thing they could accuse him of was following God and following God's ways too closely. So could that accusation be made against me? Could that be made against you? Hello. We're getting personal, I know. Peter, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus, in his letter that he wrote to Christians that were living in Rome, citizens of Rome, he wrote this, 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. We, we started our series looking at this, this letter. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners, it could literally be translated as exiles, so remember, as Christians, we are citizens of heaven first, that America is not our forever home, the eternal kingdom of God is. So we might be citizens of America, but we are actually still exiles as believers because we are citizens of heaven first. So as exiles, we should keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Come on. Isn't that challenging? Like that's a faith worth accusing. Living properly among those who don't believe so that even if they accuse me of doing wrong, they will see our honorable behavior and actually give glory and honor to God. So once again, I'll ask, do I have a faith worth accusing? Do you have a faith that's worth accusing? If people were to investigate my life, my public life, my private life, my social life, my social media life, if people were to investigate what I looked at, what I watched, how I talk, the language I use, the things I consume, how I interact with people, especially people who disagree with me and don't believe what I believe and don't vote the way I vote. Hello. If they investigated those things, if that happened, would they be able to say, like Daniel, our only chance of finding grounds to accuse him is in connection to the way he believes in God and follows his ways. Holy cow. I hope I'm not the only one in the room convicted right now. It's my third time preaching today, and I'm just as convicted the third time. The bold faith that God wants us to have, it doesn't start with defying the king's command to eat certain foods that we saw earlier in the series. It doesn't start with being thrown into a fiery furnace and then God rescues you. It doesn't start with being thrown into a lion's den, having God rescue you from that. The bold faith God desires for us to have, it starts with a faith worth accusing. Going back to last week, as a Christian, knowing that, that, that my identity is rooted in the name of God, that I know who I'm standing in, where I will stand firm, and why I will stand strong. And in that identity will rise up a faith worth accusing like Daniel. 
verse 6. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, Long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, got on social media, and blasted to everybody. Can you believe what the king did? He signed a law that took away our rights to pray. Can you believe the king said we can't to pray, but to anybody, can you believe anybody in their right mind supports a king? Like, oh. Sorry, I was just recounting what I saw on Facebook earlier this week. It's quiet because it might have been yours, I don't know. He went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he has always done, giving thanks to his God. The king had a law that said you couldn't pray to your God, and Daniel thanked God. I don't even have time to get into that even though we should. A bold faith is not believing you can do anything. It's believing you can do anything God asks of you. And for Daniel, God was asking him to keep on praying. So what kind of bold faith is God asking of us? A faith worth accusing, number two, a faith that's worth continuing. A faith worth continuing. Meaning, this on the screens. Is the faith I'm currently living affecting my life so much that I will continue living it even if it costs me my life? Is the faith I'm currently living affecting my life so much that I will continue living it even if it costs me my life? Daniel heard the decree. No one can pray to anyone except the king for 30 days. Anybody who does, we thrown into a den of lions, which was certain death. And what did Daniel do? We, we read it. We know he prayed, but kind of like last week, I mean, God would understand if for 30 days he just didn't pray, right? I mean, what if Daniel just waited, just didn't pray for 30 days, and on day 31 started praying again? Because let's be honest, many Christians haven't truly prayed in 30 days anyway. Is that too close to home? I know I just went from preaching to prodding for a moment, but I'm going to keep on going. <laughs> there may have been some emergency prayers thrown up, some prayers over meals, some selfish prayers of God, here's what I want, here's what I, here's what I think you should do. But deep, intimate, genuine, relational prayers? Daniel's faith and the practice of his faith meant so much to him. It mattered so much to his everyday life that he went and did what he had always 
done. He prayed. Prayer was his lifeline to God. It was his connection to God. He wasn't doing this out of some random obligation to a rule in the Torah, the law of God for his people. He was doing this out of a deep love and relationship with the God of the universe. Daniel's faith and the practice of his faith was worth continuing. His connection to God and his pursuit of God was so vital and so valuable to his everyday life that even in the face of death, he continued it and he thanked God for it in the process. Jesus, in Matthew 24, in the New Testament portion of the Bible, says the opposite about Christians. The opposite of what Daniel was doing. In Matthew 24 is Jesus teaching on the end times and his return to earth one day. And he says in there that the world's attitude towards Christians will change in the end, and Christians' attitudes towards God will change. Matthew 24, 9 and 10 says this, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. Why? I believe because their faith was not worth continuing. The faith that they practiced and believed in didn't matter enough to their everyday life to continue it when there was persecution and arrest and death in their face. Verse 11. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. We're going to skip some verses for sake of time, but just so you're aware, the king didn't want to arrest Daniel. He loved Daniel, but he wanted to uphold the law he wrote. He wanted to re retain the power he had as king, so he arrested Daniel, brought him to the lion's den, jumping to verse 16. The king said to him, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. We know from upcoming verses that it was early in the morning he goes to the den to see if Daniel's alive. Spoiler alert, Daniel is alive. But here's why I stop right there. Like we know it was overnight, but we don't know specifically how long it was. Uh, Daniel said that God shut the mouths of the lions, but they still had claws. Like why didn't they maul him to death? Like does anyone else wonder about the details of what happened in the den that night? I'm a detail type person. I'm like, I want to know the details, right? Like, I wonder what happened in there. What did Daniel say? What did he do? What did he pray? So, so I, I, I start asking those questions to myself. I mean, the lions still had claws. So, so did the lions try to attack Daniel, but God blinded the lions so they couldn't see him? Did, did Daniel get, you know, for a brief time, the superpower of invisibility? He's like, you can't see me. You can't see me. You can't see me. What was happening in there? Did, did the lions get paralyzed overnight? I often wonder if, if, they, if, if God calmed them down so enough. Did, did, did Daniel cuddle with the lions? 
Did he get a light out and make him chase the light on the wall? You know, dumb cats. Why aren't we given the details? I believe we're not told any details because the details aren't important. Like, was Daniel praying in there? I, I would bet he was. So why aren't we told what he prayed? I think part of the reason why we're not told what he prayed when he was in there is because then we as Christians, especially American ones, would turn it into a book and sell it. And instead of having a deep, intimate relationship with God where we formulate our own prayers, we would just try to recite the one of Daniel and hope we get the same results. How God did it doesn't matter. What Daniel did or said or prayed is not the point. The point, what's important, is the faith of Daniel to face it. He never wavered all the way into the den. And again, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel did not know what God was going to do. He just knew what his God was able to do. He wasn't trying to be famous to make it into a sermon in Cheyenne, Wyoming one day or a Sunday school lesson. He was trying to be faithful to the famous one. And that's exactly what he did. Verse 19. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? I don't know about you. This is where I start thinking what I would do in the story. I don't know about you, but if I were Daniel, I would have made him wait longer for suspense. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, I'm that much of an antagonist that I would do that. I, I would have stood next to the entrance and just scared the crap out of him. Like, ah! Total missed opportunity. Come on. But there's a reason why Daniel's in the Bible and I'm not because he's better than me. The king called out in anguish, verse 21. Daniel answered, long live the king. Not, how dare you take away my right to pray? How dare you arrest me for my faith in God? How dare you have laws that says I can't do what I want to do with my religion? How, I, I, I will never support you. Long live the king. I better move on or I'll get in trouble. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouths so they would not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leapt on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Two things, okay. First of all, this is super, super important to understand that there are some things in the Bible that the Bible records but doesn't endorse. This is one of those cases. God would not endorse the king doing that to people. He did. The Bible records it because it's part of the story. Second thing is this. There are actual people, skeptics of the Bible, who 
would try to ref- have tried to refute stories like this one in saying, well, the reason Daniel escaped without a scratch because these lions must have been tamed. Again, this here would tell us that if we're just reading the story for what it is, they were not tame. They tore these people apart before they hit the floor of the den. So God had intervened. Verse 25. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom, the one I said you should pray to me, should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So, Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. And I promise, no Billy Ray jokes today. Although that probably counts as one. This is exactly what we read in Peter earlier. To live such good lives among those who don't believe that even though they accuse us of wrong, they'll see our honorable behavior and glorify God. That's what happened here in this moment. So a bold faith is not believing you can do anything. It's believing you can do anything God asks of you. What kind of bold faith is God asking of us? A a faith worth accusing, a faith worth continuing. Number three, a faith worth copying. A faith worth copying. For the record, I, in case you're wondering, I don't think that following God should ever be a law in the land. Following God should never be a law. It's a choice. We all have to make that choice. However, the king was so moved, so inspired, so challenged that he made it a law to fear the God of Daniel. Not the God of Jewish people, not the God of the Bible, not the God of a church, not the God of a religious system, not the God of Christianity, the God of Daniel. The king recognized Daniel's God is a personal God. And and Daniel's personal faith in a personal God was so inspiring that it became a public demand from the king. So let me ask one more question. Am I living the kind of faith that a king could demand to everyone else they copy my faith? Wow. Wow. Would I want someone to tell someone else you should copy Jeff's faith? That's challenging, church. It's challenging. But it's what Daniel did. So I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, ask God, what are you, what are you saying to me right now? Father in heaven, by your spirit, I ask you to speak to hearts right now. Lord, I pray for, for the people in the room who you, they know your, your Holy Spirit has been pressing in on specific areas of their life 
that they know, they know, they need to surrender to you. There, there are areas that if they were investigated, could be criticized, condemned. So Lord, would you do a refining, purifying work in that? Give us a faith worth accusing. Lord, I pray for those who, there are, there, there are people in this room who, who claim faith or once did, but they have walked away or are walking away from you. And Lord, for some reason, their faith they felt was not worth continuing. Lord, would you rekindle a fire in them? To have a faith worth continuing even in the face of death? And Lord, for, for all of us, I pray that we would live out a faith, Lord, that other people could, could copy, could follow us as we follow you, Lord, not in perfection. We are not perfect. But being quick to admit our faults, quick to ask your forgiveness, quick to ask forgiveness from others when we mess up. A faith like Daniel, a bold faith. In Jesus' name, amen. For Daniel, God wasn't just a, a being that he believed existed. For Daniel, God was a personal God whom he put his faith in. For us, we do that through Jesus. You see, we, we got this sin problem. Not, not that just we've all sinned, but, but that our, our sin, when we do it, separates us from God. And if that sin goes undealt with, it is an eternal separation. But God had, had a remedy. He said, since, since you can't solve your own sin problem, I'll solve it by coming as one of you, Jesus. God in the flesh came as one of us, died because of us, paying the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose victorious so that any one of us, by our faith in him, can be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today, and power to live our lives for him every day. And then one day, when Jesus Christ appears and returns again, we will live forever with him. My question, my question is, has your faith become a personal faith in a personal God? If not, today is your day. <laughs> Today's your day. I want to lead you in a prayer of faith, expressing your faith in Jesus as your Savior, your forgiver, and then Jesus will do that. He will save you, forgive you, live in you, and empower you to live for him. If you want to receive Christ today, you can say this prayer in your heart. Father in heaven, I believe that Jesus is God. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died in my place and rose again, so I put my faith in you. I confess all my sins to you, everything I've, I've ever done, I give it to you. Please wash me clean, make me new. I, I repent of my, my old way of living, and I'm going to turn and, and follow you in a new way. I receive from you salvation. Live in my heart. Thanks for loving me. I'll do my best to love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here or if you're watching or listening 
online and you just prayed to put your faith in Christ, you are among families. So many of us have made that same decision and we want to welcome you and celebrate with you and offer you some free resources that we have, have written just for you to get you taking your next steps in Christ. The best way to do that is to text the word one to the number on the screen. Text the word one to 41400 and uh, we'll welcome you, celebrate with you and offer you some resources that will get you taking your next step. Every single week, people are responding this way, and it's been amazing to see what God has been doing. We want to walk with you in your faith in Christ. It's also good to tell someone else that you know. Find a loved one, a friend, family member that loves Jesus. Tell them there's something powerful about telling someone. And if they love Jesus, they'll be so, so happy for you. Uh, if you need prayer for something today, our prayer team will be at the very back of the room at the purple tent, and they will pray for whatever need you have going on in your life. We're ending the series next week in Daniel chapter 9, if you want to read ahead. I love you guys. Love you guys so much. I know it was a challenging word, but I hope you were encouraged to, as well to live out a bold faith. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.